Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 367. 367- 362nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction on Saturday night in Canton, Ohio. It capped off Hall of Fame week in Canton. And for me, the headline of the evening was the speech from Ty Law. We talked about him last week. Of course, he played for the Patriots and uh, just as importantly, grew up in Aliquippa, Western Pennsylvania, where I grew up uh, about two hours east of there in central Pennsylvania. And it was great to see uh, Ty Law giving all the love to uh, Quip Town, as, uh, as they were referring to it, and as everybody there was wearing T-shirts from Quip Town to Canton is an easy drive, so they were well represented. And Ty Law, of course, uh, succeeds or joins, I should say, uh, other Hall of Famers in Mike Ditka and Tony Dorsett, who is his uncle. How crazy is that? And uh, before long, uh, Darrell Rivas, another Aliquippa product, will be joining uh, Will be joining the Hall of Fame, no doubt about that. And so it was just great to hear Ty Law talk about his upbringing in Aliquippa, so similar to many other Western Pennsylvania football legends, cradle of quarterbacks, as it's known, and uh, and to see again the great representation there, it really brought back a lot of memories from me growing up in Western Pennsylvania, hearing and watching, hearing all about the great players all around the that half of the state, uh, going to high school football games, of course, where we were able to watch. Uh, uh, tons of future Penn State, Pitt, Notre Dame stars play, uh, not to mention uh, future NFL stars. So uh, it was the heyday of Western Pennsylvania uh, being basically the uh, the most fertile high school football ground in America. Clearly, since then, it has changed a bit. 
so that's more Florida for sure, California, Texas, but it's still relevant, uh, but it was never more relevant than back in the day as of the 60s and 70s uh, when Western PA football was king, no doubt about it. Uh, anyway, Ty Law went from there. He did not go to Pitt or Penn State or Notre Dame for that matter. He went to Michigan where he had a great career, talked a lot about that. And then, of course, on to the Patriots, where I've gotten to know him. I've interviewed him. Uh, Just a terrific guy. Can't speak highly enough about him. He's always treated me absolutely wonderfully, uh, both in his playing days when I was over for covering various games, camps, what have you, and, of course, in the... His post-career, he started up a very, very successful trampoline business called Launch for Kids. Uh, called Launch, it's for kids to go play on trampolines. Uh, it's a chain now, many locations here in New England, and uh, so I interviewed Ty about that, and uh, he was a great interview, wrote a story for NFL player engagement a few years back. And then also, I got to know Ty, aside from that, by covering uh, football university, national championships, and regional championships. Ty's son is a player, uh, so I've seen him on the sidelines, and we chatted. He was, a, he was coaching his son. And, uh, and that, of course, the FBU National Championships are held in Naples, used to be in San Antonio, and that's because they are part of the, were part of the U.S. Army All-American Bowl uh, held every year in San Antonio, which I attended and covered six years in a row, and then also uh, when they switched from San Antonio over to Naples. So, uh, quite a history, but I remember his Patriot career well. Um, never forget his three interceptions against Peyton Manning in the AFC Championship game back in the 2004-05 time frame. Uh, I've always called it, as I said last week, the snow-on-demand games when they used to play Peyton Manning. No sooner did the Colts appear in the tunnel. They, of course, were a dome team then, and still are, but playing out of the RCA Dome in Indy. And the minute... Peyton would appear, it seems the snow would start to fall and uh, set the tone for the day. So just great, great history to say the least. And again, Ty Law followed him from the day he arrived in Patriot training camp uh, throughout his career. Saw him play countless times in person as a season ticket member and just great to see him on the stage. And the coolest thing of all, is it seems like he is going to open the floodgates of the Patriots from that era, starting with that era, and some from this current era as well, uh, with, of course, Tom Brady, the one bridging the gap of both eras, the only one. But, yeah, I think Ty Law is going to, again, open the floodgates for a whole lot of Patriots uh, starting to get in the Hall of Fame here. Uh, in the coming years. So it's really, really pretty cool to see these guys eligible and, in fact, being voted in, like Ty Law. 
And uh, so he just gave a wonderful, heartfelt speech, emotional, terrific history. He was introduced by his best friend, lifelong best friend from Aliquippa. And uh, another friend was in the video as well, I guess his financial advisor. So they gave some great background to life in Aliquippa, which was very similar to the life that I grew up with in uh, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, not that far from Aliquippa. And another highlight for sure was uh, Baltimore Raven legend, Ed Reed. Uh, let's just say his his Hall of Fame bust was not a bust, and his speech, like his bust, was truly unique. Uh, a lot of people were saying he has the greatest bust of all time because it really accents his hair, uh, amazingly realistic. Um, and Ed Reed was uh, dressed for the occasion with a big gold hat uh, with a cigar in his mouth. He uh, said he wrote the speech while he was waiting. He's had such a crazy busy week, which he loved out there in Canton. And uh, so he, he was just uh, uh, kind of stole the show in many ways, um, as only Ed Reed could do, as he did on the football field. You could easily make the case that he may be one of the greatest safeties of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, I think he has the most interception returns in NFL history, return yards. Uh, that's an impressive statistic, to put it mildly. But again, uh, Ed Reed, with the you know, with the look he had for the ceremony on Saturday night, the cigar, the gold jacket, of course, accented by a really cool gold hat, um, his speech itself, um, it was really different, really, really unique, just like his play on the field for all those years. Uh, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, gave a great speech with, uh, especially with how he um, talked about being bullied uh, when he was in like eighth grade. Really opened up, and then at the end, he uh, had written a letter to his kids the morning of the induction, as in last Saturday, like two days ago. And he detailed, read that letter, which is really cool. What he hopes for them, that type of thing. Champ Bailey. Uh, of the Redskins, but more importantly, the Broncos. Uh, nice speech. Uh, so this was the, clearly the year of the defensive back going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ty Law, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, and then, of course, uh, Johnny Robinson. Uh, someone I remember well and loved to watch from the Kansas City Chiefs, that great Super Bowl vic for victors in the Super Bowl that beat uh, the Vikings and uh, just a, a star-studded defense of which Johnny Robinson played a key part. And then Gil Brandt also was inducted. He, of course, basically invented scouting, modern-day scouting in the NFL as we now know it. And uh, so it was really, really uh Tremendous, tremendous ceremony, as always, and enjoyed it immensely. And Gilbrandt, by the way, is just like a walking history of the uh, of the NFL and, of course, the Dallas Cowboys. He created, he drafted the people who became America's team. Need we say more? Another quick highlight, Tom Brady signing an extension. 
so he'll be paid $23 million this season. And it looks like both sides are on the same page, basically going year to year uh, with a two-year contract extension. But, you know, lots of options on either side. So it's, it's a wonderful uh, situation. And it helped uh, uh, make the painful weekend of the Red Sox down in Yankee Stadium a little easier to bear because uh, my low light of the week was the Sox losing their eighth in a row after being swept last night by the Yankees. They haven't won since I did the show last Monday where I lamented the Sox not being able to sweep the game, the Yankees last Sunday night in Fenway Park after they had won the first three. And now it's DEFCON 4 here in Boston as the Sox are fading. Again, they're, they've lost eight in a row. Uh, I will say this, the only thing more interesting than Boston sports teams winning is Boston sports teams losing. So the uh, sports talk radio airwaves will be raging today. Lastly, my bizarre story of the week is four Astros pitchers combining on Saturday night for a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners, capped off by the starting pitcher, Aaron Sanchez, who had like one of the worst records so far this year, come over to the Astros and uh, in a deadline, in a trade deadline deal, and in his first appearance, throws... uh, Throws seven or so, no hit innings, and then uh, the bullpen cleaned it up. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 866 472-5788 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert A.P. Stedham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well joins us and A.P. how you doing today? Hey John, thank you so much for having me on the show, doing very well. You're welcome, it's our pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, another Interesting sports weekend, and it really feels like football's in the air with the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement weekend. I talked a lot about it in the opening segment, and I'm guessing you watched, too. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Hall of Fame enshrinement on Saturday night? Yeah, I did, John. I, I always try to watch that event. I've been to it uh a handful of times, I, I like to uh, make that trek to Canton, Ohio. And next year, I, I would really like to be there because they're going to have so many more inductees. There's a special class that they approved of trying to get these seniors into the Hall of Fame because they're way behind. But one thing I would like to say is the speeches are, are too long and they're kind of disorganized, disorganized and they need to have somebody sit down with each inductee go over the speech, and try to clarify some of the points they would like to make, the important ones for sure, and to leave out things that have nothing to do with the induction. Well, interesting point. Uh, I'm sure you're not alone in your thoughts there. Uh, Yeah, it was, uh, again, went deep into the evening, no doubt about that. And... uh, yeah, you know, I highlighted, as we did last week, AP, you know, the Ty Law speech, which for me and lots of other Western Pennsylvania natives was just gold. Um, you know, Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, as in Mike Ditka and Tony Dorsett already preceding him into the Hall of Fame. So he joined them, and they were, all three of them will soon be joined by uh, Darrell Rivas, who will be an absolute lock. <laughs> um, so before <laughs> no we know intended. it, there'll be... <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, lock. Right, no pun intended, uh, to say the least. Uh, Rivas Island will certainly be uh, skating in, as they say. I'm guessing first ballot. Uh, but yeah, so then there'll be soon four. But, you know, again, for a Western Pennsylvanian like myself... Uh, given the history of football down there, especially high school football, uh, all of football, what am I saying? Pitt, Penn State, Steelers, yeah, it's <laughs> top to bottom. But, you know, he just went into depth. His best friend, in, in, you know, introduced him, um, a childhood friend, another childhood friend was on the video, so he clearly values uh, his growing up 
in Aliquippa. They were, they were all wearing T-shirts, a lot of the fans that were there, of which there were many, 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 because it's an, such an easy drive from Aliquippa out to Canton, um, wearing Quiptown T-shirts, Q-U-I-P. <laughs> so, so that was really cool. They were, they were loud and proud. Yes, it was. Yeah. But, you know, Ty Law's speech was, you know, well-organized. You know, he just marched through the progressions of growing up in Aliquippa, which is uh, pretty much like every Western Pennsylvanian seems to grow up and, you know, small town based around a blue-collar economy and, you know, where football is king and for so many, it's the way out and on to a good education. Then he went on to this time at Michigan. Then, of course, his time with the Patriots, of which I've witnessed. And then, of course, thanking his family and whatnot. So there was, you know, a common progression, but perfectly well done. He was very emotional um, throughout. He had tears running down, uh, you know, down his face uh, at all the appropriate moments. And he also... Uh, it was cool when he came out with sunglasses and he and his uh, his presenter both did a quick little dance, which brought back memories. You remember this, AP, when after they won their first Super Bowl with the Victory Parade in Boston where they started dancing and then he got Belichick to dance. Remember that? <laughs> I think it was the same dance. I mean, Ty Law. He was. Make no mistake about it. I thought it then, and I thought it again on Saturday night. The minute he walked out, before they even un- unveiled the bust, they did this quick little dance, and it, it was, again, he has rhythm. Like, Ty Law is a seriously yeah. good dancer, and I remember thinking that, yes. as did everybody else at that victory parade way back in 2001, the first Super Bowl, and they got Belichick to dance because Ty Law started doing his thing, which, again, he, he's just a great dancer. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I love that. So that for me was the highlight. It really was for obvious reasons that I've just stated. Uh, but you know, they're all interesting. Uh, you know, Ed Reed. Uh, what a look, huh? AP with the cigar, the hat, the bust, which is called being called the greatest bust in the history of the Hall of Fame. The hair, all that. I yeah, mean, no- it's just crazy. Yeah, no one will forget his entrance for sure with all the hat and, as you said, the cigar and the, the beard. And, uh, yep. Yeah, he was, and he was he's a different kind of safety, too. He was, sure was. He was a ball hawk extraordinaire. He really was. And, you know, he, he put in the work. Uh, you know, I found it interesting that he has the record for the most interception return yards in the history of the NFL. That, that's a pretty cool statistic to say the least. That is not something yeah. that, you, you know, to be ignored, shall we say. That one, that, that's an attention-getting statistic in my book. Yeah, there's no question. He had those, I mean, he broke his own record of returning the, returning the interception. Right. Over oh, 100 exactly yards. Right. That, that was a that, great point, AP. <laughs> great point. I thought that was a really cool stat. He held it for, held the record at, I think, 106, and then he broke his own record with 109, and it's one of those records that I like to see say AP that uh, you know can never be beaten. It can only be tied, right? You can't return it any longer than yes. 109 yards. No, you sure can't. <laughs> I mean, it'll be in the record books forever. <laughs> forever, forever, uh, no doubt about it. 
So, uh, so yeah, and I felt, you know, I thought Tony Gonzalez was good where he, you know, uh, I think surprised the crowd a little bit by talking about, number one, being bullied as an eighth grader, and he told it in great detail. And then he also, at the end, I guess Saturday morning, had written his kids, I think he has four or five kids, a note. Yes, four, I think was right. Talking about what he hopes for them in life. Very poignantly talking about, you know, what it's like to be the son of a successful person, good and bad. And uh, and he read the letter, I guess, at the urging of his wife. And it was really, really impressive and heartfelt and, and just a great way for him to end his speech. Uh, you know, it was really good stuff for Tony Gonzalez, I thought. Yeah, I thought he would be one of the better speeches, so I was glad that I was able to stay up that late. And I think it ended, John, was it around midnight Eastern time? Yes, it began at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So, yeah, it, it certainly went pretty well, pretty deep into the night. Um, yeah, but I think it was around midnight. And, you know, it was cool to see those Johnny Robinson highlights. You must have been loving that, AP. I was thinking of you as you talked about, you know, his upbringing and uh, playing for LSU. Um, yes. Was, it, was he on that famous, was it the Chinese Bandits defense? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yes, right. He was on that team with Paul Dietzley, sure was, national championship team. And, and a lot of the LSU fans, I mean, that program was so dormant for decades until Nick Saban brought it back. I mean, Charlie McClendon had some good years, but they weren't in the hunt for the championships until Nick Saban came alive and with that program. And uh, But Paul Dietzel with the Chinese bandits was the last time they had a championship before Nick Saban arrived. Wow, 1958 time frame. So, AP, correct me if I'm wrong. So does that mean Johnny Robinson would have been on the same team as uh, Billy Cannon? I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, yeah, Billy Cannon had that famous uh, punt, run. I think return was on Halloween 59. night. Yeah, was that the 59 season, I think it was? Was that 59? Right, well, they didn't play together there from the same era, and they both went on to star in the, in the, quote, new AFL. Yes. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, Billy Cannon became a tight end. Sure did. Exactly. A great one, by the way, uh, as was Johnny Robinson. But I just found that, you know, his talk was really cool. And he's back living now in Louisiana at a boy's home. Pretty impressive work, to say the least. And uh, and I just found that to be just really cool, both talking about that famous team in the late 50s at LSU, but and just as importantly, you know, going through like the early history of the AFL, it was it was a history lesson, the way I saw it, because I think he was just one of a handful of players that actually played, uh, you know, every season and or even every game in the old AFL, and then went on to play in the NFL. Of course, capping it off with the Super Bowl four victory, uh, the Chiefs over the Vikings. So. So yeah, he's uh, it's impressive stuff. But again, it was a great history lesson in that regard of beginning with the AFC with the Dallas Texans before they became the Kansas yes, City uh, Chiefs. Right, right. Very few people remember the Dallas Texans, but that was Lamar right. Hunt. That family was from Texas, I believe, and, correct. And so that's where they started. And I think they used to get more fans than the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, they were a good team. That's for sure. And yeah, they were very you know, popular. Yeah, yeah, they were very popular. Very popular, right off the bat, no doubt about it. 
Um, well, AP, hard to believe we've already come to the end of our uh, first segment. Goes fast when you're talking Hall of Fame, that's for sure. And uh, <laughs> But why don't we take our uh, break now and still have a lot more to get to on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So, AP, in the previous segment, we were getting your take and uh, my additional take on Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony on Saturday night. We covered a lot of it, but we didn't get to a couple other people, which were simply uh, um, Champ Bailey, Gil Brandt, and, uh, of course, Pat Bolin, former owner of the Denver Broncos, was also inducted. But I was curious to get your take on Champ Bailey, uh, given his legendary SEC career uh, at Georgia in the SEC, which, of course, you cover. Yeah, Champ was a, a tremendous lockdown corner, and then he played on offense as well. He's just a terrific athlete, and yeah, his brother played there at Georgia, so... And he, he played for Jim Donnan, who was, you know, the former Marshall coach. But Champ Bill, I mean, everyone knew when coming out of high school that he, he would be an outstanding player. There was no question. And indeed he was. 
Uh, started out his career with the Redskins, then went on to the Broncos. And I was happy, AP, because last week we talked in detail about the, uh, you know, the famous play in the playoff game out in Denver where he ran it like, uh, whatever, 90-plus yards with an interception of Tom Brady, but was tracked down at the one-yard line by Ben Watson. Well, sure enough, AP, I wasn't alone because there was a lot of people saying and whatnot that it was, you know, the most famous play of his career. Um, the one that people remembered, like myself. So I was glad to see that. Always nice to get that justification that I'm not out on the island. Uh, <laughs> something, you know. Right. And, and it's true. It's a memorable play, as much for Ben Watson as for Champ Bailey. Two, two Georgia Bulldogs. There you go. Two, two Georgia Bulldogs, for sure. <laughs> And AP, I, I also found uh, found it interesting uh, listening, you, you know, well, they all have videos, so the videos are always really interesting to watch as well. But I, I Gil Brandt, you know, I just, uh, I just, you forget what he did. I mean, he basically modernized and invented the scouting that exists today. He literally was the first ever uh, NFL executive to use a computer. And of course, as you watched him, the video and him talking, you, you had to come to the conclusion that the NFL draft of which you and I have both attended and covered uh, from radio city music hall in New York and beyond, uh, that he, as much as maybe anybody, is responsible for the NFL draft that we know that we now know and love today, because he got it all going back in the early '60s with the fledgling, brand new Dallas Cowboys team, and with Tom Landry as the coach, and of course Tech Schramm, and and he got it going, and you know it just other teams adapted, of course, and. And here we are today, but Gil Brandt is, it was a walk through NFL history and Dallas Cowboys history, listening to him. Yeah, he's on the cutting edge, John. He was an innovator, came coming up with all these different ideas, introducing the computer to football. I mean, whoever knew that that's something that would change the game. Uh, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys were phenomenal making selections. I, I recall one of the draft choices they made was interesting for me was Calvin Hill from Yale. Calvin Hill. Drafted Yale. Number one. Number one. That's a number great one. one. Who, who would have? Yeah. That's, and then, you know, you have the Cornell Greens that played basketball and, uh, you know, he mentioned wow. some of the other free agents that he, that he spoke about, but he would go to look at different sports, not only football. Bob Hayes. <laughs> Fastest man Bob in the world. Bob Hayes, right. <laughs> Bob Hayes, a track, a track star. Yeah, yeah, and he set a trend and changed the game with his speed. I mean, he revolutionized the wide receiver position. You know, being able to get downfield and throwing the long ball, the deep ball. And I'm glad he, he's in the Hall of Fame. Me too. Me too. I've met him a couple of years ago. Had a nice conversation. He's still relevant today with NFL.com. I mean, he is just a really, really uh, a genius. What else could you say? I mean, he, he's, you know, remained relevant all these years up to and including now. 
and uh, and was just a complete gentleman. We had just a, a pleasant, pleasant conversation. I believe it was out at Super Bowl week. Someone introduced me, and uh, my take from him was first and foremost a true gentleman and really, really smart. And uh, and indeed he is. And it was. I, I just really thought it was just a, a very, very well done speech and video on him with you know again just some great memories of showing you know him with tom landry and again you said it perfectly ap the uh you know the list of players he brought in i mean he basically built what came to quickly be known as america's team and the so many of them were undrafted free agents which you just forget about people superstars drew pearson people like that bob hayes uh so yeah uh a career well lived and still still going on that's for sure and john he really loved the game of football i mean he'd be involved with all these other organizations in college and and people would call on him for advice and i mean that's the word that i always uh heard about uh gil brandt i mean i met him a time or two in my travels uh Right, especially at the Walter Camp Football Foundation, but he he was a great ambassador for the game of football. I mean, whether it was a pro level, college level, just to get people interested in the sport. Right, and another uh, accomplishment of his, not to be in any way overlooked, uh, and it hit on this again on Saturday night was, you know, I, he he was one of the first, if not the first, to to create relationships and scout his players from historically black universities um, and you know which opened the floodgates to so many legendary careers from uh, you know HBCU I think it's historically black colleges and universities and yes. the NFL is littered with <laughs> legends from uh, from those institutions to say the least so yes it was right. uh, yeah the John, the three teams I remember, Kansas City uh, had a particular scout that was, uh, you know, uh, tight with the historically back colleges and universities and also the Oakland Raiders. Those are the three teams, I think, that if somebody asked me how did the, those players end up in the NFL, I would say the Oakland Raiders, Kansas City, and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, well, one other, and I know this because I just literally finished reading a book about uh, they're called Their Life's Work by Gary Pomerantz, which basically details the Pittsburgh Steelers history, but certainly starting in 1969 yes. with the hiring of Chuck Knoll. But they brought it, told the great story of who a guy they brought in, Bill Nunn, whose father was, I believe, the editor of a black newspaper in Pittsburgh. And he was a reporter, the son. And uh, so he. He tapped into the HBCU, Bill Nunn did, and, of course, it yielded uh, someone I think we all remember, a guy named Joe, Mean Joe Green, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yes. and many, many others uh, from the Steel Curtain and beyond throughout that team. So uh, it was a great story, something I never knew until I read this book just over the past month or two. And, uh, yeah, so, again back to Gil Brandt I think he is the guy that you know began that whole uh, process 
as well. And again, it's if I learned one thing about from reading the book and from watching Gil Brandt the other night, scouting is all about relationships. Not that that's breaking news, but you know, and I'm guessing nobody has more relationships anywhere than than, than Gil Brandt. I mean, you met him, I met him. He's that kind of a guy, beyond approachable, beyond friendly, beyond a gentleman. And it's easy to see, and I'm sure you would agree, how a guy like him would have relationships, you know, far beyond probably anybody else in NFL history and certainly anybody else that was a scout. Yeah, absolutely, John. He circulated and he was known far and wide. And and then he was smart because right. evaluating smart. talent, John, I mean, that is... That is one of the best skills that anyone could have in life. Not only Correct. in football, but in life. In life. You can evaluate it. talent. Well said. Well said, to say the least. If you can, uh, yeah, in any walk of life, uh, the, the, that's a tremendous, tremendous quality. And, you know, I also just don't want to forget here Pat Bolin, uh, the former owner of the Denver Broncos, who passed away not all that long ago. And, you know, what an organization he built, to put it mildly. Um, you know, the Broncos, I, I, I think sometimes it's easy to forget, you know, what an institution they are within the NFL. And, you know, from, uh, you know, a great stadium out there in the Rocky Mountains to just, you know, Super Bowl victories, tremendous legends produced there from... Lau Alzado to John Elway and just really, you know, truly one of the NFL's historic franchises, another AFL team um, and just someone who, when you think about it geographically, all you have to do is look on a map. I don't think any team in the NFL has anywhere close to as wide a geographic area of a fan base as the Broncos. It's basically, it's massive <laughs> because they're the only team around. Yeah. You know, for so yeah, a lot of fans from the, all those western states for sure. And John, they they had a steady ship. I mean, and some people would yes. say, "Well, I don't I don't want something that's steady." But for for Denver, that was perfect. I mean, they had, they didn't really hire and fire coaches like some of the right. other teams. I mean, uh, uh, that's my recollection of, of their history with with coaches. And they had John Elway and he was there a long time and he finally got a couple of championships and you know they they tried to give everybody a chance I mean a fair chance to win uh, when they were named the head coach most of the time I mean exactly the Orange Crush defense never forget that uh, you know that team went to the Super Bowl and uh, and they, they, they again just memorable and uh, yeah coaches Dan Reeves uh was it Red Miller or Red Smith coached him the Orange Crush defense, Red, I Red think? Miller. Red, Red Miller. Red yeah, Miller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Red uh, Smith was the reporter, New York Times reporter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sorry about that. And uh yeah, okay. he had a uh Yeah. I mean, they were legendary, to put it mildly. Well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of another segment, so why don't we take our final break and uh and still a few more things to get to on the other side. Follow- 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is... Basically, the start of all NFL preseason games this Thursday, running through the weekend. Everybody's in action starting Thursday, which is yet another uh, uh, notch in the belt along the path towards the regular season beginning in just about a month now and then less than a month for college football. The game I'm watching, for obvious reasons, is the Patriots at the Lions. They're up there practicing in Detroit. Tom Brady with his new contract extension in hand. But more importantly, uh, last year was a, a nightmare in that up in Detroit when that's when Julian Edelman had the dreaded non-contact injury AP running down the field. And it doesn't always happen this way, AP, but I was watching that game, preseason game in Detroit, Ford Field, and, uh, you know, Edelman... Uh, just went down making a routine cut and the minute he went down I, my first thought and I don't always do this uh, I just said 
he's he, he's done. He's out for the year. And uh, and, and that excuse me, that was a couple years ago. He missed that season, and it all ended well. AP as MVP in the Super Bowl <laughs> this past February, but yeah, so. Uh, a bit of a house of horrors uh, when you're talking and Patriots playing in Detroit in a preseason game. I'm not alone in <laughs> having that memory from that game a couple years ago. No, maybe they should keep them on the sidelines. I would. <laughs> I think I keep everybody on the sidelines. Uh, no, that was no, that was bad. That was like again, you know, I, the minute it happened, I just said he's out for the year. Like I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, I'm not some kind of medical sage by any means. I just happen to get that. It just looked bad, really bad. No, no. Oh, yeah. I I can't remember. I think the New York Jets one time were playing a preseason game. I'll have to double check this. Might have been against Detroit. And Joe Namath threw an interception. He tried to make the tackle. And he hurt his leg and was out for the season. Might have been against Detroit. Yeah, I remember that. Kind of like Andy Dalton against the Steelers a couple of years ago, tried to make a tackle and busted up his finger and missed the playoffs or whatever. And you'll remember well, A.J. McCarron succeeded him, right? Yes, sure did. The, sure did. A.J. did, yeah. And, yes, yeah. And uh, but that crushed us that night when we were listening to the game on the radio and Joe Namath was injured in a preseason right. game. And I think it was Tampa, I believe. Right. It's, it's exactly. a nightmare that I haven't relived in a long time. Right. Well, same with me and the Edelman thing. Um, so it always com- it always comes back to Alabama, and as always, there's news around Alabama football. Uh, what's the latest, AP? Well, what happened was there were some documents that were released from Ohio State, some text messages between Urban Meyer and uh, Coach uh, Smith, who was a uh, controversial uh, coach that had some uh, issues with domestic violence. Well, Urban Meyer said that he was offered a position at Alabama. Now, so right away, the reporters in Alabama were asking Nick Saban, did you happen to interview and offer a position to that coach? And he said, well, I did interview him. He had a great interview, but we checked out his background. We thought it'd be better to go in another direction. So, but Nick Saban's one of the few coaches in America that can hire these coaches with checkered pass. Um, I don't think I would be hiring somebody with a domestic violence background, but Nick Saban, he's always trying to improve and get better. And uh, he brought along a player from Georgia a few years ago with a uh, that type of background, and it didn't pan out. But like I said, Nick Saban is, I don't know if there's another coach in America that can actually interview any coach and be under consideration. Now he might not hire him, but somebody else would be blasted. And, but he, he wasn't correct. No, he, he is quite possibly the only coach that can, uh, can do that. Um, and you know, there's a couple others. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, didn't he bring him on board after, uh, you know, after uh, the not the prettiest things that shall we say from USC, I believe it was. No, no, it was not pretty at all. And and Steve Sarkeesian is the current offensive coordinator for Alabama. Oh, he is. He's still yeah, there? he he was a court. Yeah, he was a, well. He was a coordinator for 
one game right. at Alabama when Lane Kiffin left after the Washington game in the semifinals, and they lost to Clemson. That was a game where Watson drove the length of the field with about oh, a minute or two left and scored the winning touchdown. Oh, Hunter okay. Renfro, who was a nightmare for Alabama, scored the winning touchdown. Yeah, beat Alabama. And uh, but Steve Sarkeesian was an analyst, and then uh, promoted to the offensive coordinator position for that one game. Then he left to be with the Atlanta Falcons. With them, was with them for a couple of years, and now he's back at Alabama as the offensive coordinator. Wow, I did not know he was back at Alabama. I, I wasn't sure where he was. I think if anything, I maybe assumed he was still with the Falcons. But yeah, so I mean, so yeah, so Steve Sarkeesian. It feels like. You know, tough to keep it all straight, but it feels like there's maybe been a couple of others, uh, coaches he's brought on board. Yeah, he interviewed Hugh, Hugh Freeze. He interviewed Hugh Freeze, and it was wanted to bring him aboard, but the league was against it, so he didn't hire Okay. Him. Uh, Hugh Freeze, of course, a former coach at Mississippi. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then plus he he's brought in a couple people that you know were kind of like surprises. Well, Lane Kiffin himself, uh, you know, yes. he 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 didn't bring him on from USC. He brought him on from Tennessee, right? After things didn't end well for Lane Kiffin in Tennessee, yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah, or was um, it straight from USC? It, he, yeah, he went to USC. Then he he came came here because he was at Tennessee for that one year, and then. Uh, uh, USC was the dream job, so he went out there. He was, you know, coach of the Open Raiders at a young age, and then Tennessee, right. and then USC. I mean, he he landed on third base every time. He did. So it was actually Raiders, then, then Tennessee. Tennessee, I believe, and then I think then it was USC, then Alabama. Yeah. And at USC, if I have it correctly, Pete Carroll was the head coach. Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian. Or no, it was the reverse. Yes. Lane Kiffin, defensive both coordinator, up, up, Sarkeesian was offensive, no, correct? No, 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 they were both on the offensive side. Both oh, okay. on the offensive side. They're, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, great, great play call, they're great play callers, but they're not really technicians for the quarterback position. Okay, and let's not forget, Lane Kiffin is the son of Monty Kiffin, one of the great defensive coaches in NFL history. Uh-huh to say the least. Right. So, oh yeah, Lane yes. Kiffin has had a fascinating career. But regardless, uh, you know, when, when uh, you know, when Nick Saban brought him on, uh, that was interesting in and of itself. But AP, hard to believe, we are at the end of the show. Sorry, it comes up quickly. I didn't mean to uh, close it out so quickly, but... Uh, Thank you for calling in, and we appreciate your expertise as always. Hey, thank you, John. It was my pleasure. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.